And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another post-game head of the pack. Bill, we made a big deal on Sunday about finally giving the people a winning head of the pack. Well, guess what? Back to what we did for the five weeks prior to that. I said my story. It was like uh, the late, great Denny Green when he said in 2006, after the Cardinals blew a 20-point lead to the Bears, said, we are who they thought they were, and they let us off the hook. We let the Packers off the hook after uh, last week. Probably gave them too much credit for that win against the Cowboys. And tonight, man, did they remind us who they are. And that's a bad football team. They are who we thought they were, who they showed us they are for the first nine games of the season. Uh, a team that's inconsistent on offense, inconsistent on defense, inconsistent on special teams. And you know what you get when you're inconsistent, when you're consistently inconsistent in all three phases, a pretty bad football team. And that's what the Packers are. They're four and seven. They have to win out to have a chance to make the playoffs. That's not going to happen. Um, this effectively ended their season and, uh, where they go from here, like we said, the only newsworthy thing really is if Jordan Love gets to play this year. And I don't know if he will. Yeah. I used, um, in relation to the Cowboys win last week, when the Packers won one Super Bowl in 1996, and then they lost it in 1997, Ron Wolf called the team a fart in the wind. And that's what that victory over Dallas is, just a fart in the wind in any given Sunday bit of NFL irrelevance. They're not any good, Matt. Like you said, the defense was terrible. They give four touchdowns in the first six possessions. When the defense finally gets some stops and the offense goes in the tank. Um, I remember Mike McCarthy in Los Florida's too, but always talked about complimentary football. These guys are the opposite. They, they, don't, they don't have any of it. They're, uh, it's a bad team. It's a bad result, and I'm really interested, Matt, to see what happens going forward because that press conference tonight between with LaFleur and Rodgers are the most bizarre things I've ever covered. It's like, we know they're done. They know they're done. We know that they know they're done, and they know the same thing. It's like, but it's just this dance. It's like everybody knows that LaFleur just seemed, um, not at a loss for words, but LaFleur seemed... Like goes this few, like the season's funeral tonight. Which it pretty much was. I mean, not the official funeral yet, but listen, they have the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Dolphins as the three best teams remaining on their schedule in the final six games. And they also have the Rams, the Bears, and the Lions. Um, that's not in order, me saying that. That was just rattling it off the top of my head. But listen, I, you felt that after Sunday's game against the Cowboys, not only – because of how they played, but how they won, not just that they won, how they won, coming back from that 14-point fourth-quarter deficit, Christian Watson emerging, the running game picking up steam, and how they acted post-game, that it could really be a turning point. 
And I wrote, I said, I was wrong. I said, I think this is going to be a turning point. I couldn't have been more wrong. This was the Packers team we saw for the first nine games where they show up for a half on offense, disappear for a half on offense, show up for a half on defense, disappear for a half on defense, some special teams mistakes. The only positives from this game are Christian Watson's going to be a real guy for this team in the future. And Keyshawn Nixon is an electric return, man. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> I mean, Jack Coco had another low snap that led to a block field goal. You know, stopping Derrick Henry, obviously biggest positive. Held him to 3.1 yards per carry. On 28 carries, his long rush was nine yards. I should say that was the biggest positive. But in the same token, it's almost as if Joe Barry just only planned for him. Yes, Malik Willis has started a couple games and he can't really pass the ball, but the Titans passing offense ranked number 31 in the league in terms of passing yards per game. And, and they go, you know, I think it was 24 for 29, including Derrick Henry's two for two and three touchdowns, 337 yards. Like they did whatever they wanted against the Packers pass defense, miscommunications, blown coverages. I remember after the Minnesota game week one, we were like, oh, they'll get it worked out. You know, just some communication errors. We're sitting here in week 11. The same stuff is happening. We're just fools to believe that it would change. Yeah, well, I mean, back then, no, we weren't fools. It's unbelievable. You know, that was the winning game plan by Barry tonight. Stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill throw the ball. That's that's a good game plan. And it should have been enough, right? Henry, 3.1 yards, but his longest run was nine yards. Now, he converted a whole bunch of third and shorts. I get that. But that's a victory by Green Bay. Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, those are supposed to be guys that were supposed to lead this team throughout, right? Going back to week one, the, the offense will figure it out, but the secondary is so damn good. They're going to force teams to throw the ball, and they're going to have their way. Well, they forced the Titans to throw the ball. And Tannehill threw for 333 against that secondary. Jair Alexander wasn't very good tonight. Rasul Douglas had the interception, but he has not been very good all season. There's still guys running wide open, Matt. Joe Barry shouldn't have a job tomorrow, right? Is, is that Can we all agree on that? And that's like half of our 8,000 questions in the, the, on the call out to the fans. It's Joe Barry's future. He can't be here. It's week 11, and there's still guys running wide-ass open. Unbelievable. And look at that receiver. Traylon Burke, he's a rookie. You know, Robert Woods is fine. This is not a great receiver core. It makes Green Bay's, I mean, by comparison, Green Bay's receiver core is like, it's like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen by comparison. You, you know, 333 for Ryan freaking Tannehill. Unbelievable. Here's the thing on Joe Barry, and we'll tackle all the Joe Barry questions right now. Should he have a job here? No. Will he? Yes. At least for the rest of the season, I think. Because what is a, a defensive coordinator change going to do? It's not going to stop Darnell Savage from blowing coverages. It's not going to stop Rasul Douglas from letting Robert Woods run right by him after the catch. It's not going to stop the Packers getting little pressure on third downs and allowing Ryan Tannehill to bomb one, you know, 40 some odd yards downfield to Burks past Keyshawn Nixon. 
it's not going to stop Jair Alexander, who they're paying $21 million a year, getting beat by a rookie in garbage time. I think to proper, and I'm not trying to stick up for Joe Barry because he's not a good defensive coordinator by any means, but in order to properly delegate blame, and I'm not even sure when these decisions are made that there's proper delegation of blame, more so there just needs to be a scapegoat. Is it coaching? Is it execution? I'm sure it's a combination of both, but you can't, the old saying goes, you can't fire the team, so you got to fire the coach. Matt LaFleur does not seem like a guy who's going to make that impulsive decision. We've talked about this before. He was vehemently denied that they needed a defensive coordinator change after the Buffalo game when I asked him, and I'd imagine he'd say the same thing now. Because when it comes down to it, he was it would make him look bad because Barry was his hand-picked guy after Mike Pettin left and was a carryover from the McCarthy staff. And as premium a job as NFL defensive coordinator is who would want to come work for Matt LaFleur knowing I have a bunch of players who are underachieving, who can't execute. And if they don't play well, I have a year and a half max in this job. That's not good job security. Maybe someone does. I think it was you who said it, you know, there are only 32 of those jobs in the world. Someone's going to take it. And yeah, I'm sure someone would, but It falls on the coach. It falls on the players. It falls on the coordinator. Matt LaFleur picked this guy. Joe Barry has not gotten anywhere near enough out of the talent that he has. Yes, they're missing Rashawn Gary. Yes, they're missing Devondre Campbell. But like Kenny Clark's been a dud this year. Jair's been inconsistent. Darnell Savage, bad. Rasul Douglas, that contract doesn't look great. Adrian Amos, meh. Quay Walker was great at points tonight. He looks like he'll be a guy, but like it, it, it's just a bad defense. I wrote in my story tonight, the defense was supposed to alleviate a lot of the burden that fell on the offense without Devontae Adams. While Aaron Rodgers and co got things figured out or while they struggled, this was supposed to be a game, a team that won with their defense. How many times did we write, this is going to be a top five unit. This should be a top five unit. They stink. Yes, they don't give up that many passing yards per game. But that's just a stat. And I guess so is the Titans stat I threw out earlier. But my point is, Titans Titans have a worse receiving core than the Packers do. And they just did whatever they wanted. And it wasn't like they were tightly contested passes. There was nobody near these guys on a lot of times. Yeah, how many third downs were there tonight, Matt? Were, you know, third and seven? Like, these are... Winnable downs. I mean, the Titans had a whole bunch of third and ones, but they also had a whole bunch of third and sevens and eights and nines and tens. But there's guys wide open. It's like they're playing soft. Third and ten, they run an out route for eleven. I mean, golly, just bad. And you're and you're right. You came back to the the old sports impression. You can't fire, can't fire the team. And I also understand, you know, that you they've already fired Patton. You already fired Drayton. Can't just keep firing guys. Um, otherwise, otherwise you're next. But man, oh man, what a colossal disappointment! So I, I want to know where they go from here, Matt. As in, they they had hope even in the midst of that five game losing streak. You know, Lafleur kept saying they're practicing hard, they're playing hard. Where do they go now? How are they going to come back after three days off? Are they going to come back with that same attitude of practicing hard and playing hard, or? 
we tend to start go booking some tea times and the rest and the season really spirals out of control because look, they're probably gonna lose to Philly, right? You'd think so. Hell they could lose to the Bears in Chicago. Chicago's playing pretty well. And then the bye comes and then so it's gonna be really fascinating to see how the season finishes up because LaFleur's gone from thirty-nine and ten through first three seasons, and he was like what number two all time in winning percentage at that point. He might be looking at five and twelve. Oh, he might be four and thirteen. Listen, Matt LaFleur said it today. He only knows how to coach to win. When you asked him, do you consider playing young guys? And I understand that, and I respect that, and I agree with him. You can't yep. mail it in as a coach. It just gives the wrong message to the locker room because if the players sense that you're mailing it in, that then you lose the locker room. And then things really start to go sour beyond just the product on the field. Um, listen, it seemed that entering this game, there was a real sense of, you know, we can turn this thing around inside that locker room. And like you said, it seemed like the funeral with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur standing up there talking to us after the game today. And I'm not questioning the drive of professional athletes, but there has to at least be a little thought in there like, man, it's over now. We, we had our chance to keep it alive. We didn't. We're about to play, you know, maybe the best team in the league. What's left to play for? Yes, I understand there's paychecks and families and careers and next contracts to play for. But there's that intangible drive of like, we still have a chance to make the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see what happens, how they respond to this. It's the worst case scenario. Someone said this on Twitter tonight. It's better to be bad than mediocre because then at least changes happen. Your draft pick is better. If you're mediocre, if you have the 15th pick and you're seven and 10, LaFleur probably finds a reason to keep Barry if they win a couple games down the stretch. They draft a D tackle that won't be able to stop the run in the middle of the first round. And we're right, and Aaron Rodgers is back. And we just do this whole thing again. The only interesting newsworthy thing from our perspective for the rest of the season is if they win out. That's not going to happen. But it's if Jordan Love plays. And we were having this discussion in here, and, and I want to talk about this. Do the Packers need to see what they have in Jordan Love and consistent game action before they decide if he's their quarterback of the future and what they should do with his fifth-year option? We don't know yet because we haven't talked to Brian Gutekunst. He might not give us a truthful answer if he did. If the Packers went to Aaron Rodgers and said, we're going to start Jordan, we need to see what he has Aaron Rodgers could, and and whether that's a phantom IR stint because of his thumb or not, whatever, if they go to Aaron Rodgers and he feels healthy enough to play and they say, we're going to sit you. We want to see what Jordan has. This is a lost season. Does Aaron Rodgers say, a screw you. I'm playing. This is a loser's mentality to sit me when I'm healthy. Or does he say, you know what? I know how bad Jordan love is. I'm going to take these four games off. Let everyone else see what I've been seeing in practice that this guy is not the future and it'll make you guys appreciate me more because you clearly don't do that enough now. What do you think he would do? This is just guessing. Yeah. I don't think you would go for the phantom IR thing, but that's against, that's against the rules. You can't do that. Um, They do it in baseball. I know. I don't think you'd put up with it and he shouldn't, right? That's, 
that's bullshit. You can't do that. You can't fake injuries, right? That's that's against the spirit of the game. You can't do that. Um, so if you were to protest going on IR for a phantom injury, he, I would be wholehearted agreement about it. Um, now, that said, let's say they lose to Philly next week and they're 4-8. and eight. And Whatever happens with the Bears, whatever. So then you have the bye. And maybe they go to Aaron and say, hey, you know what? This season's not going anywhere. What do you think? And Rodgers might say, with, with nothing to play for, he hell, he might be in favor of it. Let Jordan play for exactly the reason that you said, right? Or it's, I'm not going to get the shit kicked out of me for no reason at all. So I, I suppose maybe he'd sign off on it if the season is essentially over. On the, does the, on the thing that does Jordan Love need to play? I talked to three execs a couple of weeks ago because I thought so too. And they all said, because he's been here for three years, that they know. Now, there might be varying, varying degrees of knowing, but they know. They've been running for three years. He goes up against the number one defense. They know how he works in the film room. They know how he studies. They know how he's in the locker room. Um, look, those preseason games count, right? I mean, not the wins and losses count, but he's facing real players. Um, he faces the number one defense every single day. Like in, tw- in 2007, the Packers knew that Rodgers was good. Before the whole Dallas game, the Packers knew that they had a quarterback on their hands. They know. And I would say, now this is just speculation here, but do they redo his whole contract, put them in salary cap hell if they think Jordan Love could have played? I don't think they gamble all that if they think, well, hell, Jordan Love's going to play. Why are we going to Mortgage the future on on 12. Again, that's right. my speculation. My thing is, I think they know. I don't know what they know, but I think by now they know. He's been here long enough. I, I don't think they had a chance or, or a choice, I should say, with Rodgers, with his new contract. It, because like if he was a top 10 quarterback, but closer to 8, 9, or 10, and was playing fine, then I would say that decision to extend him and, you know, screw themselves over salary cap wise in the future would be more indicative of what they saw in love. I think you had to do that because he, it's not like he was coming off decent seasons. He won the MVP the last two years. Nobody could have seen coming what he's done this year and how poorly he's played against two past defenses, like the Titans and the, the, the lions, the last three weeks, like it's just not the air, whether it's the thumb, whether it's indecisiveness because of the, uh, a lack of trust of the guys around him, whether it's his own decline in play. Got to trust the process over the results. I will go to my grave saying they should have done what they did with Rodgers, regardless of what Jordan Love has, because you can't trade anyone who says they should have traded 12. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, that's the move now, but... You can't do that after he wins two MVPs. You have to do whatever it takes to keep him. And I'm pretty sure I said that at the time. They have to do whatever it takes to keep him, even if it screws them over for the next three years salary cap-wise or however long it is, because those will be the three years with an MVP-caliber quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl. And they did that, and that was right. Yep, I agree And now here we are. And now here we are. Yep, you're right. It's a disaster. Yep, you're right. They, They had to keep him. No question about it. Part of that, though, Matt, is we, we've seen Jordan Love 
throw every, maybe not every single pass to training camp, but basically we've seen Love throw just about every one of his passes in training camp in the preseason. Of course they kept Aaron Rodgers. How many, I mean, like seriously, how many days were you out there in the summer and thought, man, they might have something in this guy? Not, I'm not saying Hall of Fame 3.0 going from Favre to Rodgers to Love, but how many days did you stand out there thinking, man, he's got a chance to be pretty darn good. If you put the right pieces around him, they might be able to keep winning football games with that guy. I'm telling you, there was a OTA practice in 20, 2021. I thought that, and not many days otherwise. Because we've seen the we've seen wounded ducks and passes landing in the middle of nowhere. Um, we've seen the missing nets during individual drills. So yeah, I get. It. I mean, you had to keep Rodgers because he's the MVP, but they also drafted Jordan Love. Two, I mean, and they had Rodgers at the time. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do there. But um, whew. I didn't think we'd be talking about this, Matt, three months ago. Not me. Let's get to some questions. Man, we got a lot of them. People, the people are happy tonight. Yeah, as I can imagine. <laughs> All right. Batting leadoff from CSWC Andy. Is LaFleur a dead man walking? No, he just signed an extension. And I understand that doesn't guarantee he's staying. But I honestly don't think LaFleur is the first scapegoat. I don't know if there will be any scapegoats. It could be Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach. It could be Joe Barry. But it's not going to be LaFleur or Gutekunst. It's just not going to be. Not just because they just signed extensions. Because what, Matt Rule had six years left on his contract or four years or whatever when the Panthers fired him? They're going to give Matt LaFleur a chance to show what he can actually do as a coach when he has another quarterback. True. That being said, this is – I asked that question first. I asked this one here. From B.E. Smith 63, does Matt LaFleur seem overmatched? Is his glossy record prior to the season largely on the backs of Rodgers and Adams? I think that is a fantastic question. No answer to it. But what do you think, Matt? What do you think? Yeah. Because what's changed offensively? Nothing has changed. You got the same running backs. You got the same quarterback. The offensive line is largely the same. You got Bakhtiari back. So in theory, you should be better, right? Devontae Adams made life so much easier because he was always open. Any big moment, Adams is open. You completed passes, you moved on. And at this point, on any big moment, you have no idea if anyone's going to get open. Nobody might get open. And there's been no, there's been no signs of progress. None. There's signs of progress last week. I thought, hey, they've turned a corner, then you just go right back in the tank. So, yeah, I, I do think LaFleur has a lot to prove that he is not just Rodgers and Adams, because at this point, that's what it points to. The one time Sammy Watkins got open, Aaron Rodgers missed him. <laughs> if that is not a microcosm for how this season's going, then I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, I, I keep going back to the Devontae Adams thing. Like, he wanted to go. 
Yeah. Like whether that was the right call is a whole nother thing. I'm saying just from a football perspective, obviously there was more than football and I will never trash the guy for the decision he made. Um, But I think the Packers, listen, uh, I, 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 don't think Brian Gutekunst went into the season thinking he could get the same production that Devontae Adams and MVS gave with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, and Alan Lazard. I don't think that. I think he thought he could get by with them because of an improved special teams, a good running game, and a dominant defense. No one was going to replace Devontae Adams. So people who say, what, you thought you could replace Devontae Adams with these guys? That wasn't the plan. The plan was to go all in on defense, re-sign Campbell, Douglas, draft Wyatt and Quay Walker, have that secondary back, and have that carry your team while Watson and Dobbs learn the ropes. And guess what? Those two guys are going to be mainstays on this team for years to come. They have shown growth. Only problem is they've been injured a lot. But I honestly think, like I wrote tonight, for the last 15 years, Aaron Rodgers has masked problems in the other two phases because he's been able to win games by himself. Yes, that's in part because he had receivers like Devonta Adams and Jordy Nelson and James Jones. He doesn't have those guys this year. Alan Lazard's not a number one wide receiver. Is he number one on the Packers wide receiver depth chart? Sure. He's a decent number two on a team with a real number one with all due respect to him, of course, but Aaron Rodgers just isn't that savior this year. Like I said, the other two phases were supposed to lift him up. Now he's being forced to lift them up and he can't this year, whether that's because of his own play or what's around him. All true from (laughs) This is some Christian Watson account. What is the argument? Oh, that's actually not the question I want to ask. I'm sorry. This is from Connor Patrick. Is Christian Watson's ascension as a playmaker fool's gold or the real deal? I think it's the real deal. Yep. I mean, Rogers said today they need to get him the ball more. Sure, there are times where he looks like a, a gazelle where he falls down easily. Um, he seems a little uncoordinated at times. But, man, he can beat anyone. And guess what? You can teach catching the ball. You can't teach speed. You can't teach. You can teach releases. You can't beat just pure athleticism that beats people one-on-one. You can't teach him mossing a guy in the back corner of the end zone. You can't teach the speed he has to cross the field and beat everyone. He's going to be a guy. Yes, indeed. Um, I was, you know, I asked Rodgers, does, does he need to get more attempts? And I preface it by saying, I don't want to put the guy in the Hall of Fame after he's had two good games. And he came out wholeheartedly saying, yes, again, he's played two games that have been worth a damn. Not No fault of his own, right? I mean, injuries happen. So I'm not criticizing him for a, a poor start to his career. But the guy's had two good games. And here's the quarterback saying he needs to get the ball more often. Because he does. This comes back to what we've been talking about since June and July and August. Right, Matt? He's the one guy. He's the one guy who can make a play. Well, Randall Cobb can make plays, but Watson is the one guy currently healthy who you can see as a foundational piece for the future. 
That's how I would put it. Randall Cobb can get open. He can make yeah, you know plays. I mean? like, I'm, I'm talking a right. guy who can a, – a real field tilter. No one's – there isn't a defensive coordinator on earth who cares about Randall Cobb. Right. Defensive coordinators do care about Christian Watson. Yes, they do. He, he is the real deal. And, you know, they, they got to get Dobbs back here and run those two out there for 50 snaps a game. The season's not going anywhere. You got to get those guys ready for 2023, regardless of who's the quarterback. I agree. All right. This is from the Christian Watson account. What's the argument for not starting love the rest of the year? I know we kind of got into that, but if I'm going to put it this way. If you are Matt LaFleur, what are you saying to him? To who? To Aaron Rodgers. What, what are you doing? I wrote this in my story last week, so I'll say it here. I don't think anyone with authority in that building has the balls to tell Aaron Rodgers that he's benched. Not because of his play, but because they want to see what Jordan Love has. I don't think anyone in that building, whether it's LaFleur or Goody, sending an order down to LaFleur to say, I need to see what I have in this guy. I don't think either of them have the guts to tell Rodgers that he's benched. Plain and simple. 100% agree. One guy runs this organization, right? And his name is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's a guy getting $150 million over three years. All right, Matt Pickett. Realistically, is there a world in which Rodgers stays next year and will have developed amazing chemistry with the younger receivers by then? The team has an amazing season, or is that just wishful thinking? You know, if, if they have consistent health on the offensive line and Dobbs and Watson have a year under their belt where they were able to see themselves do some things, I think Rodgers is going to be back because – just the financials make it nearly impossible to get rid of him via trade or cut. So maybe he retires, but why would he walk away from over 58 million? Not that he needs the money, but just common sense. Um, I don't want to project because I know he doesn't like when people do that, but um, sure. They could be good. Uh, I, I go back to, but like as good as the offense can be, or could like could be, in that situation, I have zero trust in the defense. Like, like I said earlier, week one, I was like, all right, maybe they just need a change in game plan to, you know, play more man, let Jair follow the number one guys. Jair's getting beat by rookies and Terry McLaurin and, you know, CD lamb. Like he's still a very good cornerback, but as long as Joe Barry's here, and even if he's not, Darnell Savage is going to be here next year. Who knows if Adrian Amos is. Eric Stokes is probably going to be coming off a major injury. Rashawn Gary is going to be coming off a major injury. Was Devondre Campbell a flash in the pan? Was Rasul Douglas a flash in the plan? pan? Are they just going to trot out the same guys on, on the D-line who don't generate any pass rush? Like, Sure, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt could make a rise up, but there's not enough on defense that gives me any ounce of optimism that that they can do what it takes to make this team great. Yep, I, I wonder if, if, you have a, if you have a top 10 pick and you add it to that offense and try to go back to 
what you've won with for all those years just by blitzkrieging people with Watson and Dobbs and Lazard and the number 10 pick or whatever it's going to be. That'd be interesting. Yeah, From, I, don't uh, think, I don't think they're going to have a top 10 pick because like, sure, they might lose to the Bears, but they'll win another game or two. The Packers are going to win another game or two. They'll finish 5-12. and 12. There are so many bad teams in this league. There are 11 teams right now with three or fewer wins. The Packers need to lose out to get like a top seven pick. Danny <laughs> or, a top, time. or a top six pick. Like they're going to end up five and 12 with a 14th pick. That's what's going to happen. That's uplifting. Here's a good one from Dwight Snoot. Is there a point to paying attention to this team anymore this season? Yes, there is, Dwight. I need the reads. Matt, what do you got? Yeah. What's the, of, um, what's the point of paying attention? Yeah, just follow our sites if Twitter crashes and, and ceases to exist. The, the point of paying attention is because that's what part of being a sports fan is. Like, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I watched till the final out of game four of the ALCS, even when I knew they were going to get swept by the Astros. That's just part of being a fan. You got to do it. And like with the Yankees, at least I thought that year might've been the year. So I was at least teased and strung along, you know, this year is not the year for the Packers. So maybe you can watch and look for reasons for hope for the future. I, for one, am not a type of fan who tries to, I'm a very negative Nancy. I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. Cause that's just who I am. But if you want to look for a, you know, Keyshawn Nixon's our return guy. Christian Watson's a guy, you know, I don't know that. I mean, there isn't much else. <laughs> Quay Walker, like you could think about that sort of stuff, but even that's hard. So I don't, I don't, I don't. And then of course, if you have money on the game, then obviously watch it, but I don't blame anyone who says I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's interesting. These, you know, the Packers have done nothing but win other than a blip here and there for 30 some years, right? This is a, it's a new place for the fandom. Here's a good question from Ben, that Ranger too. Which would you rather have happen, Twitter dies or the Packers go 7-10 and 10 for the next five years and you have to cover the team? That's a great question. Ben. Oh, Twitter's got to die. I've said this before on this show. The best case scenario, as a reporter, you want two things. The team to be really good or really bad. Yeah, but 7-10 because... isn't really bad, though. That was Ben's question. It's 7-10. and 10. That's kind of that mediocre middle word. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I would choose Twitter dying because uh, reporters – Worst case scenario, and I'm not complaining about anything because I will never actually complain about getting paid to watch football and write about it. It's a very easy job in the grand scheme of things. But if you're asking me, gun to my head, you want your team to be the team you cover to be a disaster or a resounding success because those are where the best stories come from. The most the most relevant stories, you know, change is very newsworthy. That's what happens on really bad teams. Super Bowls and success are very newsworthy. That's what happens on really good teams. Seven and 10, like I said, enough reason for coaches to not change anything. Enough reason to say, oh, we got what we have in house. Let's just run it back. I said it to you after tonight. Like, I've written this same story five times this season. Defense stinks. Offense can't do enough. Rodgers doesn't play well. Special teams mistake here or there. As reporters, you want something new to write about. It would have been very newsworthy if they reeled off a second straight win against a six-win team and kept this thing going, going into Philly next Sunday night. So it would have been better for my story if they won. 
but they didn't. So we got to write what happens and it's not as newsworthy, but it's still news. So uh, you'll see my column up tonight on Packers are who we thought they were. And now we go from here. Let's see what else happens. Last question. Real quick one here from John McCarthy. What would the record be if A.G. Dillon wasn't on the roster? It'd be four and seven, John. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's a problem. He's not. I don't think he's the feature back that I thought he could be. Like, I thought they would release Aaron Jones after this year, free up the 10 million in cap space, ride with A.J. Dillon after a season in which he proves he he can be the feature guy. He's a good number two. He hasn't he hasn't shown me he can be that that main guy, um, which is why I think they'll keep Aaron Jones. Yeah, he's he doesn't move the needle. That's why they'd be four and seven. They're not any better. They're not any worse. Yep. All right. That's all we got. Uh, we got a lo- long layoff. We'll talk to you next Sunday night, Monday morning from Philly. Everyone enjoy your Thanksgiving. Take a second to to uh, find some happiness in your life over this mini buy because the Packers obviously aren't providing it. But if you're listening, we thank you as always for listening, uh, helping fuel our paychecks and our passion for doing this. I should put that the other way around. Our passion for doing this and our paychecks. That just sounds bad. But guess what? It's 1.36 in the morning. You expect me to make sense? We're out of here. Have a great weekend.